I have always tried to be cognizant of the fact that, look, I might have the knowledge and the skills, some hard fought, some just made up, but I don't have the only way to do things. And so I always like to learn from a generation or now two and sometimes three below me. What are you doing? Why are you doing things? Because, look, the way you're doing things is the way things will be done. What I'm doing right now is going to fade away and oblivion. I get that. I totally understand that. So I've always tried to be a little more open to doing things the newer generation's way. I don't, I don't try to be the crusty old man shouting at clouds. Okay, okay, okay. Podcast Junkies, episode 263. Welcome back. It's me, Harry Duran, and we're talking podcasting again. If you just stumbled onto this because you are a super fan of this week's guest, then welcome. This is the show where we talk to folks that are doing interesting things in podcasting and get to know a little bit more about why they do what they do. And it's always a fun time for me. Last week's conversation was with Craig Hewitt. He's the host of Seeking Scale and the CEO of Castos. And it's always fun to talk to people in the industry and people that are doing interesting things in this space, and especially the leaders of some of these companies that we hear so much about, but we just don't know the backstory. And that's always fascinating for me. And that's why I'm always looking to have these types of conversations. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. This week, we have a return guest, Evo Terra, host of Podcast Pontifications. Evo was an early guest on the show all the way back to episode 79. I'll make sure to include that link in the show notes as well. But a lot has changed in podcasting, in the world, in Evo's life. And I felt it was time to have him back on. He's always interesting. I love his show, Podcast Pontifications. He's such an outspoken, positive voice for podcasting and uh, really, really (laughs) did not disappoint. If you don't know the show, Podcast Pontifications provides daily, insightful, forward-looking episodes that have one central tenet. Podcasting needs to be made better, not just easier. And he's on a mission to make that happen. In this episode, we discuss his recent world travel, what brought him back to the States, and we share a discussion on the mental shift that occurs as you get older and perhaps a bit wiser. Uh, Evo breaks down the production process of his show, why he chose to structure his show in such a meticulous manner, and if you've listened to it, you can tell that he puts a lot of time into it and takes a lot of pride in the production of it, which is really impressive and inspiring. Finally, Evo talks about what has influenced his podcasting style And as always, we're speculating on the future of the medium, and that's a fun chat as well. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 263. We're always looking for support on the show, and if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I would truly appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastjunkies. I've been following pretty closely what's been happening with uh, the Podcast Index. Podcasting 2.0 is the podcast itself, and podcastindex.org is the site. It's an alternative to the Apple directory, and I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, You may or may not have heard me mention it. I don't remember. But I've been listening to all the episodes of the show. It's hosted by Dave Jones and Adam Curry of, yes, of MTV fame, Adam Curry. And he is affectionately known as the Podfather in some circles. And they're doing great things with uh, the index. It provides an alternate directory for shows. I'll admit that a lot of the stuff is a bit techy, but it's really fascinating, especially what they've done with podping.cloud, which is a service that allows podcast hosts to submit uh, new shows and new episodes directly there. And from my understanding, it's a great service to have all the hosts synchronized to podping.cloud and allows episodes to be updated on podcast apps faster. The other conversation that's been happening there is about compensating creators for their work. And obviously the first interest for me is as podcasters, but as I've been listening to these conversations, they're even talking about artists uh, using the mechanisms and using the infrastructure to release albums. So imagine you could compensate a band and decide to send specific allocations to each member of the band if you're the creator. And so have that distributed evenly from the moment the song is played. It's pretty fascinating stuff. And one of the things I'll encourage you to do is obviously listen to Podcasting 2.0, the podcast. We'll provide a link for that. But also check out newpodcastapps.com. 
It's something I was reminded to do from uh, Adam mentioning on the show. And newpodcastapps.com is a list of apps and directories and hosting companies that are supporting all the new tags that are being made available through Podcast Index. And it's things like transcript, chapters, search tags. You can have a funding tag in there. And there's some cutting-edge apps that are doing really, really interesting things. I'll read through a couple of these. I'm on the site now, Podcast Addict, Podfriend. Uh, Podstation, uh, let's see here, Podcast Guru, Hypercatcher, AntennaPod, Cast Coverage, PlayaPod, EscapePod. There's really a plethora of apps to check out. And personally, I'm a fan of Overcast, but I've been testing out some of these others. And the other thing I've done is actually set up Podcast Junkies on the value block. I think I'm saying that right. But it allows me to get compensated for the show if you are using any one of those apps. So if you want to test it out, try out one of those apps at newpodcastapps.com and look up Podcast Chunkies and uh, let me know how it goes. Okay, I think that's it for now in terms of what's happening and interesting in the world of podcasting. That's not the range of it. And I'll be testing out some other features. I'm really interested in this idea of dynamically inserted relevant content, not just ads. And I've been fascinated by what Brian Barletta is doing over at Sounds Profitable. So stay tuned for more of those experiments. Okay, stay to the end of the episode. I'll reveal this week's retention hashtag, but let's jump into this awaited conversation with Mr. Evo Terra. So thanks again for coming back. Return engagement is always fun on Podcast Junkies. And when two podcasters tend to geek out about podcasting, this conversation can go anywhere and quickly derail, I would imagine. (laughs) That is a possibility. And that's fun. That's what's fun. Yeah, I agree. So most people that are listening know your journey already, but what was the impetus for leaving uh, for people who haven't been keeping up with you? Maybe just let people know that the quick story, you were abroad, then you decided not to be, and then you're back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. I'll, I'll do the very short version. 2014, my wife and I decided to uh, just leave the country. We were both in transitional periods of our various stages of employment. I like to say we had a shared midlife crisis. That works too. And we decided that, look, we are in a fantastic position that not a lot of people are in. Our parents are healthy. Our siblings are close in proximity to our parents and as well as emotionally close to our parents. Our son has grown and has a decent job, so why don't we just leave? You know, why don't we just take play the privilege card as much as we possibly can, <laughs> lean into that, and just go for a while? So we did, and we ended up traveling, as you know, to, you know, we hit 13 countries and three continents that first year, and wound up in Bangkok where Sheila was a become the principal of a private school in Thailand. And I sat around doing nothing, being a supermodel, and starting a podcast consultancy, which was kind of fun. But then our son, who was grown and had a good job and all that kind of stuff, decided to get his girlfriend pregnant. And (laughs) we said, well, there's no real good reason we're living in Bangkok. And being close proximity to our granddaughter is a good reason to be back in America. So 2018, we uh, migrated back to the U.S. of A. What's the one thing you miss the most from the travel abroad? The biggest thing I miss is not being the weirdo. (laughs) Let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean, (laughs) every country I go to, I'm able just to sit on a bus, on a train, uh, in a coffee shop, and the words around me aren't the words I'm used to hearing. And, and even if they are in the same language, like we spent about, I don't know, a couple of months in the UK, for example, it just sounds different, right? Yeah. And to me, being able to just almost disappear into that strangeness and just kind of fold into it is great. I don't, I mean, I'm, my brain automatically starts picking up patterns because I'm a human being and I start just, I don't mean to listen in, but I'm listening in and I literally can't, you know, for the three years I'm living in Thailand, I look, I picked up a little tie of extremely small amount of tie, not enough to pick up any conversations that's happening around me. And so I just was in, I was anonymous. I was just simply not, there was nothing around me that was really compelling me to be one thing or the other, which is interesting and freeing and weird all at the same time. It seems like the culture itself was your own background focus app. <laughs> like, exactly. Like in yeah. coffee shops, they've got that filter that says, you want, do you want coffee shop background? And it's just murmurs and you just kind of hear like sounds and, and plates clinking and stuff like that. So as long as there's no words you can understand, you can do your work. That must right. be what it was like <laughs> over there. That was very, very similar to that. Yeah, yeah. 
I always tell uh, regular listeners know the story about me going to, to Bangkok, Thailand, actually, Surataning, almost dying. But <laughs> what was most crazy, other than the 26 hours it took me to get there, <laughs> was the <laughs> fact that, you know, to your point, it's the first time I felt like I was on, I mean, same planet, but you feel like you're just completely out of your element. The, nothing is the same. Not even like, you know, romance languages. French, Italian, I speak Spanish, you know, you can kind of figure your way out, but it is a completely different alienating experience. And it's something I think everyone should experience at least once or twice just to be shooken out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I think so. That was one of the weirdest things coming back. It's like, I can understand everyone. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so where does that place us in the podcasting timeline 2018 what were you coming back to you'd already started your consultancy do you remember what what things were like when you got back well you know that first just getting back for that first because we got back i think in april i think and i was in a process of really growing out the business because in thailand it was just kind of a thing to do on the side but you know coming back to america i need significantly more income to live in Phoenix, Arizona than we did to live in Thailand. And so I was like, okay, this just can't be something I do for a couple of hours a week. This needs to become much more like a full-time job where I'm going to have to get a full-time job and I don't really want to get a full-time job. <laughs> When's the last time you were in a cubicle, by the way? What's that again? When's the last time you sat in a cubicle? Oh, wow. 2013. Okay. The last time I had a job with, and probably more, more, probably 2012, because mine was okay. more of an office in a cubicle, but it has been a long time. Anyhow, I came back, and that was it. It was like, okay, I need to hustle and grow. So it was getting back to Phoenix, which is where I'd lived for some 20 years prior to that, reestablishing connections with people here in town, putting out feelers, and just really doing the hustle that you're supposed to do as an entrepreneur for that first year of 20, 2018. And it worked out pretty well, you know, reestablishing a studio here as opposed to what I had over there and doing more work and finding people. And so, yeah, that's what it was, it was all about. It was, you know, podcasting was growing. It was, there were still a bunch of businesses who were looking to do more in the podcasting space. And you know this, that's really all I work with are businesses yeah, yeah. that want to make podcasts and they were asking questions. So, so that was all great. Were you stapling flyers to telephone poles? Yes, that was one way <laughs> I, I was doing it. Right. A lot of direct mail pieces. No, none of that. Yeah. Just kind of reaching out and reestablishing myself which was great for the first six months. And then, you know, when 2019 hit, that's when Spotify decided to change the rules of the game for everyone. And then I was dealing with that the rest of the time. And so is this the first time that you've actually tried to build and grow something that your, your own business, you own it 100%? Or were there other entrepreneurial type endeavors as you were leaving your corporate life? Yeah, good question. So I left corporate life in... 2008. And by left corporate life, I mean 2008 happened. <laughs> and <laughs> I was working at, a, at an agency that, you know, we just, we literally dissolved in a weekend. Wow. Both of the major clients we had said, we're no longer need your services. And so I was no longer the vice president of an agency because an agency ceased to exist over 4th of July weekend. Yeah, I was working at E-Trade at the time, so you can imagine what that must have been like. <laughs> yeah, it was a little spooky. A little spooky. But anyhow, so I did two years just doing general strategic business consulting digital stuff because I've worked in the digital side of things forever. And I, when that job went away, I did the same thing. Started picking up the phone, calling people. Hey, do you need help? What do you need help with? And for two years, I ran my own thing. And it was great. I mean, I love working for myself. The problem at the end of that two years of doing that is I had two big clients. That was it. And I kept looking back two years before going, hmm, my agency had two big clients. It's not your eggs all in one basket, but that's <laughs> two eggs in one basket, which is not a lot of eggs. So you either need more baskets or more eggs. So I went back and took another job at a different agency and began working there. So this is the first time I've realized I want to make it into a true company, not just me talking to people, but actually working with freelancers and others to do things beyond what I'm capable of actually doing on my own, building a real business. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I've, I've been in business ops for the longest time. And sure. so all, all the things I learned running agencies, most of them apply heavily when I'm running my own business now. 
Yeah, I think for people that haven't done it before, some of the things you have to learn on the way, because you you don't really learn entrepreneurship like in school and you don't like the real way, not like I'm going to go get a business card because that means I'm in business. First, I got a thing I got to <laughs> do is get, I got to incorporate, I got to get, get that big book with all the like pages and, and your stamp. You got to get your seal, your corporate seal, like all these, your bank account. That's actually pretty important. But like the other stuff, I heard someone say like, if you want to tell someone you have a business and it's a hot dog business, buy some hot dogs, buy some buns, go to the corner, sell one hot dog. Now you have a hot dog business. <laughs> until business. The, yeah. Until then. Yeah. So what were you learning about yourself in terms of skill sets you did have, didn't have, needed to learn as you started to realize like, you know, bucks literally stops with me. I have to get, every, I have to figure all this out myself. Yeah. It's certainly been a, a learning journey along the way because you learn there are things I like. I, I have learned there are things I like to do and there are things that I don't like to do. There are clients I like to have and clients I don't like to have. And unfortunately, sometimes the clients you don't like to have are the ones that pay the most. And so you have to struggle through all of those. Your teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you really do. I think the biggest growing moment for me is that – so when I was growing up, when I was a young man in high school, my stepfather at the time had his own business. And I knew I didn't want to be like him for a lot of reasons. One is he was genuinely a terrible person, but also the business caused him just to work all the time and would get called up in the middle of the night and have to go into work to do this. And I just didn't want to do that. And I had opportunities to do really fun jobs in college that I passed on because like, give up my Friday night? Are you nuts? No way. So, you know, all, all these dumb things that you do, right? Because I, and, and when I started doing entrepreneurship back in, when I lived in Los Angeles in the, in the late 90s, this is pre-podcasting stuff, I started a little side hustle with another guy and I just watched him work to the bone, like all weekend constantly. And I'm just doing little things on the side. So I really, really resisted that. But what I didn't realize is that, look, it's not like they're not really working, I mean, some people do. Some people can totally work, you know, 80 hours and they really yeah. work them. But when you really do run it and it's kind of your own, you give things to other people, just like I was doing in the corporate world to get things done. I mean, yeah, I might be up until working at 9 o'clock, but also tomorrow, if I feel like stopping at 11, I can, right? There's no one over looking over my shoulder saying, you need to get back to work. I mean, as long as things are done and their things are done on, you know, for the client, they're scheduled and published when they're supposed to be, sure. I can work as long on that or as short on that as long as it all gets done. And the only one I am beholden to is me. And that took some, I'll be honest, that took some counseling to get through <laughs> yeah. because that's just reality. And uh, trying to fight that, you know, fit that into your day when you've worked a real job for the longest time, it's, it's kind of hard, but you can get through it. Yeah. And I think uh, explaining the difference between I'm working on my business, not in my business to your partner, it gets a little hard because it all looks the same from the outside. So I think that's some of the biggest challenges. But it I'm is, glad you brought that up. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up about working on the business and in the business. So one of the early lessons I put in play when I got back to the States is I keep Mondays and Fridays free. And my Monday is a day that I work on the business, not in the business. I'm not doing client-related work. I don't take client meetings. I mean, it's all the stuff you don't want to do, you know, like all the financing and various things, but also, you know, outreach to new clients in various places. I mean, technically really working on the business, but not actually doing the work of the business whatsoever. So that's what my Monday is dedicated to. And then Friday, I keep a whole even more free than that. I mean, that's really work on new business prospects and new ideas, less really about the business and really more about the business of me and doing more things for me. Where do I want to go and what do I want to explore and do on these sites? And that's one of the benefits of having running your own business and doing it as an entrepreneur is you get to define the terms. And that's how I define my terms. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are work really hard days. Monday is also a work really hard day, but you know, on the business, not in the business. And then Friday, eh, less so. Yeah, I like that model. And it's something that I've thought of one of my coaches explained it to it, the way of like planning from the middle out of the week. So I try to pack as much into the Wednesday as possible. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I end up with pretty much with the same schedule you're at. So I'm easing my way in from the end of the weekend or into the week. And then to your point, not taking any calls on Monday. And then Friday as well, try as hard as possible to wrap up on the business or in the business work <laughs> by 
<laughs> by two or three, and that's not always that easy sure. to do. Yeah. Sometimes again, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Sometimes we work through the weekend. I mean, this is what happens, right? We, this is life. We did that, but when everything goes really well, it, it works nicely. And as you started, and for the benefit of listener, Eve and I are in the podcast production business, and we reminisce about the good old days, and it was just our one show that we have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Fondly, <laughs> now it's dozens of them. But um, how have you grown or evolved as a manager, delegator, leader, whatever, whatever word you want to use there? Yeah, you know it's funny because I've been in a management position for for some time now. I mean, when I ran these two big digital agencies, right? So and that's, that's teams of you know ten, twenty, whatever people working for me over time. So I've I've done a lot. But you know, when I first got into, you know, having to manage a team, I think I, like a lot of people who, like <sighs> myself, are, I think many people, we take a lot of responsibilities and we just want to do everything on our own. We think we're the best one to do it. I mean, there's my way and there's everyone else's way and just do it my way. And so getting rid of that was super hard. Especially when you are an opinionated jerk like I am sometimes. It's really hard to see, look, it's the end goal that matters. It's not how somebody gets there. As long as they hit the same point at the end, I may think it's very inefficient, but that's so what? They still got there. It doesn't matter. So letting people do their own thing took some time for me to learn, which was certainly a challenge. And, and I, I put most of that to some very good bosses I've had who looked at the way I do things and go, that's dumb, but you get results. So I'm going to let you do your dumb thing. So you can let the other people get results. That was probably the hardest lesson for me to learn was that I just need to let other people get there. As long as the product is good, I just don't care how they got there. So that was a big, a tough thing for me to swallow. But once you get it, it's great because now I don't really care what the processes are. I don't even want to be deeply involved in what the processes are. Look, as long as you get this thing to me at the end of the day, that's what I want. How you do there, don't care. Yeah, my old boss used to say, like the problem was if I made a mistake the first time, he would say, okay, that's fine. You made a mistake. But don't make that same exact mistake a second time because that means you just didn't learn. <laughs> and yeah. And so that's been something I've been top of mind. I myself used to manage a, a reporting team at E-Trade of like 11 people. But um, you get rusty if you don't do it. And that was, geez, that was probably 2011 maybe or 12 when I when I had that so as I've been starting to put on my managerial hat dust it off so to speak I think it's been like whoa and then the rule that the way you manage people back then <laughs> wasn't that long ago but it seems to have changed now oh, totally. and the works and the generation is different now so it feels like you have to communicate to them differently as well yeah I think so I mean I always try to be cognizant of the fact that look I'm an old man I'll be you know, by the time you, when, as you and I are recording this, I'll be 53 in a few weeks, which is insane, right? Because I'm still 27 in my brain, but not in my knees. Regardless of that, I have always tried to be cognizant of the fact that, look, I might have the knowledge and the skills, some hard fought, some just made up, but I don't have the only way to do things. And so I always like to learn from a generation or now two and sometimes three below me. What are you doing? Why are you doing things? Because look, the way you're doing things is the way things will be done. What I'm doing right now is going to fade away in oblivion. I get that. I totally understand that. So I've always tried to be a little more open to doing things the newer generation's way. I don't, I don't try to be the crusty old man shouting at clouds as much as possible. But also... I think there's a very different, well, I know experienced, my own experience is that I have never been a true manager in the way that I've seen other people manage. And that is, I'm no micromanager. I really am, I'm the opposite of a micromanager. That is, I have zero interest in doing it that way. And I'm fortunate now that the team of people that I have working for me are all competent. They have certain skills that let them get the job they do. I train them up the way that I want them to. And much like your old boss that hated to be asked the same question twice, me too, really, really do not <laughs> like it when someone asks me the same question twice, yeah. unless they're say, asking for clarification. That just means, as you said, you weren't paying attention, and that's why I can't handle that. But, you know, letting setting the parameters now is, is just vastly different. You know, we're not making widgets, we're not cranking out assembly line stuff. There's no need to be butt in seat for a certain number of hours. I don't have any way to measure someone's output. And I'm not interested in doing that either. That's not the kind of business 
I want to run, where we just simply throw more time at it, more energy at it, and then more business comes at the other end. That just doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. So I get to avoid a lot of those true managerial problems that, that I would have if I was trying to, I don't know, manage a 7-Eleven or something. Well, I just, I turned 50 last year myself, so I'm, I'm in the club Congrats. now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the half century mark. Do you find that you think about things slash life slash ways you tackle problems differently at that? Did you find that anything changed for you mentally? Because there seems to be like a way of where I just look back and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm, I can listen to people. I don't know if it's wiser or just be more patient or just realize life is not that long and I'm probably at the halfway mark now. So <laughs> I've just been more cognizant that I've been aware of mortality, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and then that causes you to, you know, behave differently and then try to live the second half. My goal is to live it 10 times better than I lived the, the, the first half, whatever that translates to. But I, that's something I've, that's been top of mind for me. That's a very smart play. And I would love to think we're at the halfway mark. I think we might be a little further along than that. But hey, whatever. We'll see where neuroscience gives it. Download my brain into a Cymac body. I'm going to be a happy guy. Yeah, I definitely can commiserate with that. I have never been the most empathetic of people. It's just not who I was originally. I'm, uh, I'm crass. I'm brazen. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. All of those things were survival techniques that I learned at, at a young age that carried me through probably into my 30s and then in my 40s. But at some point in time, and it was probably within the last five years or so, maybe it was the, the trip overseas that really brought all of this home to me. It's like, you know, just because you think you're the smartest person in the room, it doesn't necessarily mean that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, and also... I'm trying to learn to be empathetic and to recognize that the way I perceive and experience the world is very unlike the way other people perceive and experience the world. And their perceptions and experiences are everybody as valid as mine. That was a very difficult thing for me to get through. I can remember some HR training things that I went through in the aughts, you know, in like in, in like 2010 or so, you know, where they're bringing these things up. It's like, we don't have this problem here. I know every single person and this agency and the thing you're bringing up right now isn't a problem. Well, I look back on that now and go, how arrogant was that? How do I know whether it's a problem or not? I know what people are like when they interact with me, but I don't know what they're like for the rest of the day. There are probably some terrible things going on that I didn't know about and I was extremely dismissive of. So I try to think back to all those blunders I've made and you know, learn from my own mistakes and say, look, I'm not doing that anymore. Like yourself, for the next half or the next 30 or 40 years, whatever we get left over, I want to be better. I think it's okay to try to be, to try to be better. Yeah, that's a great thing to aspire to. And to know that it's not a destination. What is it? It's not a destination. It's a journey. It's the that's journey. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me that after a 15-hour flight. But I do agree <laughs> in principle yeah. that, you know, it is the process of getting there makes things a bit better. Yeah. What's uh, a couple of lessons, takeaways from the past year from what we've all gone through collectively? <laughs> Hasn't the last year that feels like a dozen or two minutes? I mean, I don't know. It just comes as slides back and forth as it goes on. Oh, wow. I think the lessons, you know, there's been a lot of things that have changed for all of us. I'm counting myself very fortunate that, you know, we've, I've made it through this far. It looks like I'm going to make it through <laughs> for the rest of the way. It wasn't catastrophic. And I know for literally hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, it has been catastrophic. You know, they've lost people uh, and they've lost jobs and, and livelihoods and all of that. So again, back to my not being empathetic, but trying to be more, that is a, a greater understanding. I don't know what the person on the other side of the counter I'm dealing with today, if I'm ever in person once again, or the person driving next to me, I don't know what their life was like for the last year. It's taught me to be a little bit more appreciative of that. Also, another big lesson I've learned is I kind of like not being sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, barring my weird kidney stone bout that I had to deal with last year, which, you know, that wasn't a contagion. <laughs> which is just some poor lifestyle choice I hadn't made at one time. I've not been sick. And I'm trying to think forward, you know, as a lesson of what are, what does that mean for me going forward? How can I change my behavior? What are risky behaviors that I was previously doing that I'm not going to, that I didn't do for the last year and that I'm not going to do going forward? Like I'm watching a television show the other day, Harry, and I, this cop goes into a hospital in 2019 
no one's wearing a mask. <laughs> he's in the ER and, like, and he's yeah, like yeah. leaning down this person who's, who's, they don't know what's wrong with him, bleeding out their face, right? You know, and huge and, you know, stomach cramps and he's right in their face. What's wrong with you? Like, ah, so weird. So stinking weird, right? Yeah. So, and I look back to my life in Thailand. If you have the sniffles in Thailand, you put a mask on. When you go outside, you will see 50% of the people have a mask on because they might have a sniffle or something. We just don't do that here. So I'm going to try and learn from what I saw for the two and a half years I was there and now what I've been experiencing for the rest of the year to try and just be a little safer about things, yeah. try and be more cognizant of the people around me. And in fact, that I, when I do get something, because I mean, I got, a, I got grandkids now. And so they always, they're little germ factories, right? They're going to bring these things to us eventually. But yeah, from now on, I'm just going to try and be... Try and be safer. Try and be more cognizant of the people that are around me and just, you know, be a general better person to all of humanity, not, not just me. Yeah, I think it's, it was a pause and it was needed. And however, whatever angle you want to take, what it, was, it was what we all needed collectively <laughs> to slow down. I think that's part of it as well. So, Yeah, slowing down is a really important bit of that. You know, we had to, when, when Sheila and I took off to go travel the world, it was go, 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 but on a very different type of going. And then living in Thailand, when I lived kind of a semi-retired life, you know, I, I really learned to not want everything that comes out. And, you know, this last year of anything has taught us patience. There are some things we want we can't get. Something we just simply, there's no way to get that gratification. So you just get by without it. I wouldn't say it's not austerity or anything, but yeah, just recognize that, look, you don't have to have all those things to really still be happy. You know, we managed to get through in a two-bedroom condo in the downtown Phoenix, and, uh, we still like each other, so you know all <laughs> oh, things yeah. are good. Yes, yeah, my girlfriend and I say we made it through COVID in this apartment, and I think we were <laughs> better off than, so, than others. I am so grateful for that time we had in Thailand and time traveling the world because you know, for at least for that first year when we were traveling, the only time we didn't we weren't physically in each other's presence was when one of us was in the toilet. The rest of the time, we were there 24 hours a day, right, with those this handful of breaks, right? So when this happened, you know, this, I know this really stressed and ended a lot of relationships, spending this much time with someone. For us, it was old hat. No Been problem. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did it over abroad. We can definitely do it at home. Okay, tech talk now. When did you decide that it was time for a new podcast? Oh, Yeah. Oh, because I've had how many? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's a, I think 19 at last 19? time that I counted okay. them that I was either the host or co-host of. Yeah. Yeah. So actually when I, to tell the truth about, you're asking about podcast pontifications. Yes. The show that I do four days a week. It didn't start out life as a podcast. Oh, In fact, right. I didn't want to make a podcast. My original plan was to do it as a Facebook live video. And the original focus of Podcast Pontificate, which has changed, by the way, but the original focus of Podcast Pontifications was to be a business driver for Simpler Media, my production company. I was going to talk to business people who who were interested in podcasting but didn't know what it meant to be in podcasting to kind of give them thoughts about podcasting, not how-to stuff. There's 150 how-to podcasts out there. Didn't want to do that. Not an interview-based show. There's 150 interview shows. That are, I love this one. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> you know, I knew I didn't want to do those things. So I just wanted to come up with thoughts and ideas about podcasting that business people might need to understand to get them more interested in podcasting. And so super weird, random chance they might decide to contact me about it. Well, I did that for about 30 episodes. And I got a text from Gary Leland the podcast pickle himself <laughs> and Gary and I have known each other since the beginning of podcasting time. And he said, why isn't this a podcast? And I said, well, it's just, I'm shooting a video on my phone for these Facebook people. I don't really want to make it a podcast. And he says, that's stupid. You should totally make this a podcast. <laughs> Typical Gary Leland fashion. No pulling yeah. of any punches whatsoever. It's like, Oh, I guess he's right. I mean, I don't know why I'm not doing it. It's not like it's that hard. I know I have all of the tools at my disposal and those other Facebook videos are fleeting. So let's do it. So I switched. Well, I didn't switch. I still kept doing the live video, but now I stripped the audio out and make it into a show. Well, that was 2018 when I got that or 2019 when I got that smack upside the head by Gary. And here we are now, middle of 2021. And I think this morning episode was 435. Congrats. Congrats. That's awesome. 
it's a crazy number of episodes, right? On my third season, and the focus has totally shifted. You know, now I'm talking to other podcasters, people who have a podcast, independent, big podcast, I don't really care, giving them thoughts and ideas that they should be thinking about, questions to ask and answer themselves about where they see themselves in podcasting here in the present as well as the future. And it's become the biggest part of my day. <laughs> you know, it's definitely takes a lot of time and energy, but people who like it tend to like it. So I keep going. Talk a little bit about the production process because anyone who's listened to the show and obviously we'll have links in the show notes. I do get the sense there's some a considerable amount of thought put into it in terms yeah. of uh, the topics, the planning, the format, and then we'll get a, a little into some of the stuff you're experimenting and doing with uh, Brian. Yeah, sure. I'll talk to all of those things. So, I mean, it's a 10-minute long show. The episodes are never longer than 10 minutes. And that original time frame was done because that was the maximum native video link you can upload to LinkedIn. So that's why I kept it at 10 minutes. I don't natively upload to LinkedIn anymore. It's still on LinkedIn, but I could technically do it as long as I want to, but I've kind of gotten in the rhythm. I like short. Plus, also, I'm putting this thing out four days a week. So, you know, I've got to keep it shut. So for all the new podcast listeners out there, for all the podcast creators out there, my 10-minute long episode takes me three and a half hours to produce. So I 10 minutes, three and a half hours. And, and I promise you, it's not because I don't know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know how to make a podcast. Yeah, pretty well. Pretty Been well. around the block a couple times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for a variety of things. So the reason it takes so long is, and that's not even counting the the setup time of you know of planning out the the most important thing, which is what am I going to talk about on this episode? What's the topic and what's the angle? That usually. So I've, I've got a book that I keep here, and I have a whole bunch of notes written down on it. As notes, as ideas come to me, they get written down on the page, and usually. The evening before my show, so Sunday night, because I start them on Monday morning, I've usually picked my topic, and I'm noodling on the direction I want to go. That evening, I wake up, I noodle the direction I want to go, and by about 6.15 a.m., I'm sitting down at my computer, and I start I put with a blank sheet of paper, Google Docs, and I start hammering out the outline of my talk. These are the exact points I'm going to raise on the conversation here. So I'm going to end the conversation. These are the exact words I'm going to start the podcast with. So all that is done usually by, well, not usually by, so that's done. Then I go and make all the graphics, get that ready because when I, I do the show as a live stream that now goes out on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and, and uh, what's the other one I'm missing? YouTube. There you go. YouTube. You know that, that other little video platform that I forget. Are about you using OBS? Right. Using OBS, okay. uh, going through Restream. Okay to go out to those four channels. Got it. And I go live at 7 a.m. Phoenix time. That's when it's live. And so I have to have the graphics done because they're part of the show. <laughs> so they're all out there. So I go live. I spend about four minutes just kind of saying hi to people who are watching live. It's not the actual real recording of the process yet. Just, you know, kind of a warm-up, getting people who may be first-time listeners to understand that there's more stuff at podcast modifications, all that kind of crazy stuff, you know, the little behind-the-scenes stuff you do. And then a little before 7.05, 7.04, sometime in that time, I hit record. And just for the last two days, I've started actually recording the audio with QuickTime okay. as a, on the maximum side. And then I hit record also on OBS because the video will go to YouTube later today. But QuickTime, using the maximum quality, will give you a much higher quality file. And I, I knew that, but I just wasn't doing it. Again, it took another kick in the butt. Thank you, Marcus DePaula, for the kick in the butt to make me do it that way. So I do my, and I basically perform the outline of the show that I have written. There are some bits, again, the first bit, which I'm reading word for word. But for the rest of it, I just glance over my notes and I just go through the process. And I wind up with a seven to eight, ten, something like that minute long experience that I put out there. All right, so I finished that up. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be much faster for the rest of these things. So the audio file is a very quick edit because I rarely do I have something in the middle that I need to fix. Because, again, I've done this for a long time. Sure. I know the topic. I have the full outline. So it's rare. I have a boo-boo inside that I've got to fix it. So five, ten minutes later, the audio is edited. You know, it's, it's Where are you editing in? Kindenburg Journalist Pro. Awesome. I started – I put everything into RX – Eight standard right now to do the cleanup because okay. even though I've got a nice, you know, big fat microphone, pretty sound conditioned walls, I can make my voice sound better. So I'll spend 10 minutes making my voice sound better in RX, put it in Hindenburg. That's the Isotope RX plugin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a great, such a great little tool. It's really, really cool. 
And so edited audio, throw it into Descript. Descript churns through and creates the transcript. While I'm doing that, I upload the uh, image files and the video to Allie, my production assistant, who I've had for the longest time. Hi, Allie. She's great. So her job will be to put that video up on YouTube later, publish that video on places like my Facebook page and my LinkedIn page all later on. But her, her biggest job first thing in the morning is to correct Descript's transcript. Because as good as machine transcription is, <laughs> it's comical. Have so, you tried Otter? I have tried Otter, yeah. It's also very good, but very still. Good, yeah. so it's 90, yeah. It's, it used yeah, to be, 80, all have to be 70, correct. 80. Now it's 90, 95 yeah, sometimes. But they all need correction, yes. right? Because it never gets my name right. It can Half the time it doesn't get podcast pontifications right. And That's plus awesome. all the other little weird things that I do inside of it. So Allie is busy correcting the transcript. While I have taken that transcript and I put it back into that Google Doc and I rewrite the whole thing, not to say, here's what I said, but I rewrite it to be, here's what I meant to say. Here's the way I would write this because the way I sure. speak, I don't speak in complete sentences. I mean, the thing I just said was at least three fragments of sentences. When I haven't used a period yet and it's going <laughs> too long. Yeah. It's fine when you're listening, but not fine when you're reading it. So I rewrite it. And that's what takes me most of the time. So by the time I get the article done, totally written, by that time, Allie has gone through and spent an hour or so correcting the transcript. So that's ready to be published. And then everything gets kind of pushed together. I post it on my website, the full article. I publish it. I use Captivate as my hosting company. So that gets scheduled to go. I have a newsletter that I send out to people. So the article goes there that I've rewritten, plus there's a link to the audio file so people can click that and listen if they wish to, which is becoming more and more important since, you know, Apple Podcast hates me now and takes <laughs> three or four hours to get my audio. I don't think it's personal. People. I think it's all podcasters. <laughs> You're right. It is, it's an even hatred, but for right now, I want to keep it personal on me. I'm pretty sure it's just me. All the bad things I've said about Apple over the years, even though I'm an Apple user, regardless. So I'm usually done with the process by... 9.30, but sometimes closer to 10 o'clock. But got, at 9.55 is when the episode publishes, and at 10 o'clock is when the newsletter goes out with all the things on it, and the social media through Buffer starts going through its process of sending things to various places. So yeah, 6.30, at the, usually 6.15 in the morning until 10, and then Allie still has additional work to do afterwards to get the video all done. So three and a half, four hours for a 10-minute long episode. Well, that was wonderful. And I can take that little snippet out and share it for future reference for anyone who wants like a mini masterclass on how to produce a 10 minute podcast. I'll say, by the way, funny you should ask, let's <laughs> why don't you just go listen to Ibotera for about uh, at least 20 minutes, take copious notes, and you'll be uh, more than halfway there. So there you go. That's the way to do what's it. What's been most helpful for you in terms of having a process like that specific and that detailed? It keeps me focused because I could do a lot of things. Sure. There are a lot of things that I could spend that time in and doing. I had an old boss that gave me a phrase I'm never going to forget, and it is that work will always expand to fill the time allotted for it. Parkinson's law. Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah, it is. Right. It's, it's the amount of work expands to fit the amount of time that's been allocated. And anyone who's been to college and crammed for an exam the night before. Yeah, yeah. Was, or had a given two weeks to do a, a project for your boss, and then like the night before, you're just like, okay, got to get this done. So the reason I like this, I mean, it sounds like a long time, but it is super tight process. I mean, there's very, I, look, I don't even check email until 10 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Thursday. I can't, because yeah, if yeah, I course. check email, I'm down in that hole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might look at a few news items while I'm first waking up or waiting for the coffee. But no, I do not. I can't do any of that stuff. But having it nice and tight where I've got a deadline approaching, like it's looming. And I know, it's like if it's 8.45 and I'm not like on the final touches of the article, oh, I'm starting <laughs> to freak out, right? I'm forcing yeah. myself in because if it was like, ah, I'll do that tonight, it would take forever to do that. So there's... It's a certain amount of time that I have to put into it, and if I could spend more time on it, but I can't spend more time. I have to find a way to be efficient and yet make it get out good. And if I didn't do that, it would just be a spiraling thing that would last all day long, and I would get nothing else done with my day. And then, because my day begins really at 10. Then I got to do all the work of the business because the podcast doesn't support the business. There's still the business that has to be ran after that. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> Where do you get your inspiration from in terms of the tone? Is it just 
an amalgamation of people that you've listened to in the past or, you know, cause I think about new shows. I think about interviews and I think about my parents sitting me in front of like 60 minutes and watching like 2020. And I, I got to, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was just like, Oh, it's now I can look back and be like, Oh, some of those people, the way they interviewed or their style probably in some way influences me. So I'm wondering for what you do, if any of that comes to mind. Mostly comedians. And I'm not joking about that. You know, really good comedians who can keep the suspense going, who keep that, that uncomfortable line like, oh, man, what are they going to say? So, you know, not, not Howie Mandel. Nothing wrong with Howie Mandel, but you know, it's a much more a fast delivery. I talk really fast. My, like, probably a lot of the things that I've said on this conversation, many people have said, I'm sorry, what? Can you slow that down again? Not a 2X episode. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. So that's naturally me. I just talk fast and I try to talk the same rate that my brain goes, which is why I'm a terrible typist, because I try and type as fast as my brain goes and I can't do it. But I write, I type a heck of a lot faster than I write. I can't take notes because I, my handwriting's atrocious. But comedians, watching a lot of comedians in my early days, and I still like to watch a lot of comedy stuff, they have their delivery is the greatest thing to me, right? They just, it's not just telling a joke, it's delivering sure, the sure. joke. So it lands just right. So it's all about timing, it's all about building anticipation and all of these things. So when I am in presentation mode, when I'm talking on stage, back when we used to talk on stages, or when I'm presenting on a video, you get a very different Evo than you're getting right here. When you and I are just chatting, because we're just chatting, having a good time, right? Have a beer between us and, and have a lot of fun. But when I am performing, I roll back onto those people who are true performers who have I've watched over the years, and I know that they do things differently. And I rarely say um and ah or any of those filler words when I'm in presentation mode, which I'm all about during the regular conversation. So yeah, comedians, believe it or not, are what really has a... I draw a lot of my inspiration of how I present information. I just found a new comedian, uh, Nate Bargatze. He's on Netflix. Really funny. You got to ah, check it out. <laughs> His delivery is amazing. I like smart, dry, witty humor sometimes as opposed to like the over the top in your face humor sometimes. So I used to be a fan of Stephen Wright for a while. Just oh, uh, yeah. Cerebral, just like. <laughs> so fantastic. You talk about someone who could build tension just with yeah. just long pauses, <laughs> which half the audience is saying, was I supposed to laugh at that? Was that supposed to be funny? And the other half of us are, you know, guffawing in the floor. Yeah. Definitely. So Nate's kind of like that. He, he reminded me of shades of that as well. So I think right, we'll I think be watching that. that this afternoon then. Done. I was just uh, turned onto a book called How to Write Funny as well that I saw on someone's Twitter, Twitter stream. So I uh, just grab that on Kindle and it's a comedian. I, I forgot who wrote it, but it's how to just, and it speaks to comedians and now, now I'm doing morning pages. <laughs> so just to get the writing uh, muscle worked, but I am fascinated by that. I actually commented to my, my partner this morning that I, I feel like I have a comedy set in me, maybe just, or open mic night, not a whole set, but like a five minute, sure, like, sure. <laughs> and it'll probably take three or four more years for me to get to that point. But I am just too, also fascinated about, uh, they're, they tend to be the most observant and the ones who are good. It's like funny as a byproduct. They're actually more observant of just like observing the world around them and seeing things that, you know, sometimes take for granted. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is right. They're like, why Why is? Why are things like that? <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of the shtick for my show. Right? I mean, less about the funny, although I like to I try to think I'm a little bit funny occasionally on there, but just seeing things from a different perspective. Okay, this thing is in the news. And yes, I could pile on and talk about this thing, but if we just shift the angle, just change the perspective, get on top of it, go sideways, whatever you want to picture that one, there are other implications. That, to me, is a lot of fun, just making us change our perspective. Because as humans, we just, we're myopic creatures, right? I mean, our brains have been wired for pattern recognition, you know, to a fault, which is very helpful so that we don't get eaten by a lion on the savannah. Totally get Sure. Why the brain works that way, but there are other things at play that we need to we need to deal with, and even outside of podcasting, I used to I've done a lot of talks at, for a, you've heard of Ignite the Ignite style presentations. I think so, yeah, yeah. Fifteen or five minute long presentations all throughout the night. You know, every every fifteen seconds of slides advance. Every, oh yeah, yeah, I've done yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, I've done like nine different Ignite presentations, and I love the format. Short, get in there. You don't have any time to do anything else other than make your points on those slides. And all of my presentations that I've done have been just like, think about this 
differently. Let me just change your perspective. We're going to talk about a topic, but going at it from an angle you hadn't thought about before to hopefully give you a better appreciation of what that is. And now I do that, you know, four days a week, all on podcasting. Talk a little bit about the different ad formats you're playing with on uh, the project you're working on with Brian Barletta now. Sure. So right now on podcast pontifications, we don't have any ads running whatsoever. When I come back for season four in July, I'm going to have some additional uh, dynamic content we're going to be putting in place. I can't tell you much about that because I don't have a platform yet. <laughs> we're working on building that. The one thing that I did, and I probably should have been clearer, but what Brian did by putting your little snippet of yeah. pontes, pontifications on his show. So that it's, right. we're going to get a little geeky here, but I thought it was fascinating. No, I think that's great because that's one of the things I want to do. One of the inspirations for why I want to change up season four is because of that little bit of syndicated audio that goes in Sounds Profitable's podcast every time it goes out once a week. Mine goes in there and also James Cridlin from Pod News. We each produce a little bit of audio. But here's the fun thing. That little what I call moment of Pod Zen, I produce that almost every day. And I produce a version that goes out on Alexa for the, I don't know, six people that subscribe <laughs> <laughs> that have added Moment of Pod Zen sure. to their Alexa, which I probably just made a bunch of people's device go off. Sorry about that. But I also produce a version for Sounds Profitable. And it gets embedded, but it's not baked in. I mean, we're using dynamic ad insertion. So at any time, Brian uses Wooshka which is if not my favorite podcast host, but definitely my favorite podcast host to say. It's <laughs> just fun to say, yeah. Love the name. So I just, when the day, when I've recorded that over, I just log into Wooshka, I go into the campaign area, and I drag a new version. And I only keep four in there, and it rotates through. So what you're hearing, I might have recorded last week, or I might have recorded on Monday. I don't, you don't know, because it's just going to automatically serve it based on a round-robin methodology, because I produce so much content, we didn't want to shove all four in there in a week. We just rotate it out so that it goes. And so you're logging into Brian's Wishka account? Yeah. Okay. Which is probably not what anybody else should do. Yeah. <laughs> but since I help Brian set up, sounds profitable, and it, the whole process evolved for it, I have a login so I can just log in. What normally would happen is, you know, if somebody else wants to syndicate Moment of Pods in, by all means, let me know. I will produce a custom one for you too, and I'll just throw a Dropbox folder and I'll just put yours in there every day, and you can have it. And then, or if you are using an ad serving platform and you give me a login, I can drop it inside of there as well. So, nice and easy. But that whole thing that Brian has with Sounds Profitable, I mean, the number of inserts that boy has running is insane. He's really trying to test out I think like what seven we or can eight do with or dynamic like content. That I heard at one time. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll tell you what day you're listening to it. It'll, it tells you what operating system you're using. It'll tell you what your what platform you're listening on. It's pretty cool. It's pretty funny when it breaks, too, because occasionally it says, oh, we know you're listening on Android and this. I'm, no, I'm not. But, you know, that's the idea of pushing the envelope for how, for what podcast ad tech can be, which is what Sounds Profitable is all about. It's going to be, hey, Evo, your battery's at 22%. You should probably charge it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if it could do that level of stuff? But, I mean, that's what we're getting, you know, with dynamic content and podcasting is, look, there's dynamic content for advertising, and then there's just dynamic content for building really cool stuff. And I think building content for really cool stuff is like way, more imp way more interesting to me than just using dynamic advertising. That may be how the bills get paid, but being able to generate content that is specific to you, where you are, or things important in your life that comes in different than things that are important to me, that's kind of cool. And again, the payoff is not advertising's promise of, we'll make more relevant ads to you. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about building interesting things that are that I want to consume. That's not advertisements. That is actual real content that makes sense to me, as opposed to somebody else in another part of the world. Yeah, it was so interesting to me. And obviously, because I love the shiny objects, <laughs> the wheels started turning. And so I have reached out to James. And I think he mentioned because it is better if it, you can obviously do this manually, but it's so much more fun if you can do it uh, dynamically. And I think the word dynamic insertion has gotten a bad rap because people hear it and they automatically think, you know, the Sears and Roebuck ad <laughs> in front of your meditation podcast. And that's not what it is. And it, and it has matured. I don't know if you listened to Podcasting 2.0 with Adam Curry and Dave Jones. Brian was on there, and I thought that was going to be just a clash between like the world of advertising and the world of indie 
don't tell us what to do. <laughs> but surprisingly, by the end of that, it's a really, really good episode. Uh, by the end of that, Adam and uh, Brian were on the same page with about 80 to 90% of the stuff. And, and I think we all want this, the future of, of podcasting and all boats rising and benefiting the podcaster, the listener. And I think there's some really common ground that was really interesting to see that they found. Absolutely. So where do we go from here? Like other things you're thinking about testing, trying new shiny toys in the podcasting space? Well, you know, the new hotness right now is membership. It's private feeds. It's doing something in addition to, not replacing, in addition to the public feed. There's the new thing is chasing what we can do with premium stuff. I mean, iHeart announced today that they're going to have a premium feed offering. So now you got iHeart, you got Spotify, we got Apple, and then we've got the supercast of the world that have been doing it for the longest time. I, we know that Amazon is going to be right around there next. So there is, this is kind of the new interesting world. And it's hard for a lot of podcasters who've been around for the longest time, I don't know, like us, who know that, you know, we've seen this model not work great for the longest time. We know what happens when you try to lock up content behind a paywall. Yeah, it doesn't luminary. work all that well. Luminary. Yeah, yeah, take Luminary. <laughs> but Luminary is now getting a breath of life because of this new Apple podcast. Exactly. Now funny. maybe there's a better way for them to do that. Now it might succeed. So I think all of us podcasters, what I'm certainly thinking about is how do I, a person who is committed to releasing free content that can go as far and wide as possible, how do I augment that with some content for members from private information. that That's not the same as just having a Patreon feed. That's doing something different than that that is more connected to the apps people are using. That's intriguing. I don't know what it looks like. I have a, I have a vision of what it actually might look like, but it's going to require us all to experiment, be a little open-minded about things, and push for change when we need it, which is fine. I think it should be your new comedy routine. Oh, sweet. You could do a private feed and you just work out new material there. So they pay you for you to try out new jokes. Pay me to try out bad jokes on them. Wow. My wife's probably going to look at me like, that's not a bad idea. Usually I try them all out on her. They don't typically work out all that well, do they? <laughs> no. And what do you think about uh, in-person conferences? What's your feeling on that? I can't wait for Are 2022. <laughs> <laughs> that's one answer, yep. Yeah, I'm looking for 2022. I miss hanging out. You know, yeah, I miss too. random encounters, right? And we just... I've supposedly attended three or four virtual events, and in all honesty, I haven't attended one of them. I've shown up to give my talk, and that's it. So, yeah, I miss in-person things. And again, 2022, perhaps, if we're all very good and we do a good job, <laughs> maybe 2022 we can get together again and, uh, and, and sit in the same room, and, you know, I can take another shirt off of your back. Who knows? <laughs> Does that mean we won't be seeing you in Nashville? You will not be seeing me in Nashville. I'm trying to attend Nashville. What I did for PM21 is I have blocked it off of my calendar. I did that So too, my yeah. thought is to go to the living room, put it on the big, I don't know what size TV I have, but it's a big TV, and do it all there. That's my intent. <laughs> now, reality might be very different, but that's what I am intending to do. So I will see what's happening. Pay someone to strap on a GoPro and just roam the hallways. And hey, then you, you just watch that on your TV. <laughs> Stop at that person. Stop tap that person on the shoulder. Turn, what yeah. a great idea. <laughs> and then it's the TiVo, it's the Evo cam just on his shoulder. Uh, I got to get that one of those. Well, my friend, uh, obviously time flew by and uh, it's just a nice catch up and have this as a platform for, you know, seeing old faces and, and that exact feeling that I get at a conference. We haven't had it in a long time. That's something that I've missed. And it's just nice to hear what people are up to. And I know we've chatted previously a couple of other times, but I'm grateful to have a, a, some dedicated time with you to, to see what's going on in your life. Well, thank you for inviting me back once again. My shirt's getting a little worn. I need a new one. So, you know, what are you wearing? No, I'm kidding. I'll take that one. So. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. I appreciate yeah, it, Yeah, I need, need another round. Where's the best place for folks to catch up and connect with you? So the only social platform I pay any attention to whatsoever, still Twitter, where I am, yes, Evo yes. Terra, all one word. And then obviously podcastpontifications.com for all of the podcasting goodness I produce. Oh, I, I usually, I didn't, I was so like uh, excited to catch up with you and almost didn't ask my regular question. So I'll just pick one of them. Something you've changed your mind about recently. Something I have changed my mind about recently. Let's see. What have I changed? Because that's a weird thing for me. Because I mean, I try to change my mind all the stinking time about things. Pop music. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have been hearing some more 
today's pop music. I don't even know if they call it pop music anymore. <laughs> That's how old I am. Yeah, me too. But I've been trying to follow the release radar a bit more okay. on the Spotify and being a little more accepting of tunes that come in. And naturally, I'm, I'm like, wow, there's actually some decent music out here. Sure. It didn't all stop in the 90s. How cool is that? Yeah, that's good. Open up your mind and uh, try new avenues. So we'll make sure we put that link to the, <laughs> in the show notes for people to discover new music. Thanks again, Beautiful. my friend. I really enjoyed our conversation. Have a nice day, my friend. Cheers. So thanks to Evo for coming back on the show. I know that his time is valuable. He's busy and I appreciate his friendship in the podcasting space. And it was really fun to catch up. Time flew by as it always does when I talk to my podcasting peeps. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 263. Make sure you check those out. A lot of interesting stuff was covered in this episode. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Cedarsoil.com for his full list of music. Don't forget... Support our sponsor, Focusrite, in their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2 Pro. If you're interested in a podcast for your business, sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15, and you'll learn a little bit more about the work we do at Fullcast, our production company. Next week, we keep the buzz going with the podcasting space. Sorry, couldn't resist it. With Albin Brook, head of marketing at Buzzsprout. Again, another conversation, long time coming. I think that he was one of the last folks I saw at PodFest prior to the pandemic. And I remember chatting with him at the booth and um, been following what he's been doing on Twitter. And I think we shared a clubhouse space as well. So all of those events uh, converged into getting him on the show. And so that was a great conversation as well. So stay tuned for that. If you made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with pontificating Evo, and I'll let you do your best attempt at uh, what that spelling should look like. Hashtag pontificating Evo. Tag us at podcast underscore junkies and Evo at uh, Evo Terra. He makes that pretty easy. Thanks for all you do to support the show. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'll talk to you next episode. <laughs>